drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. It is picked up by the line, coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30, at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo, touchdown to Trumbier, Marvin Jones. Drink it in, drink it in. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. What's going on, everybody? It's Wednesday. It's your host, Derek Okri, here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast, talking Detroit Lions. And this is normally when I introduce Grifka, but instead of him, we do have him on the line, but he gets the pub every week. This week, we've got Logan Lamarandier from Sports Illustrated All Lions joining us again to talk all things Lions. We're fired up to talk to him. Logan, how are you? Doing great. Happy to be here. How about yourself? Oh, doing good, man. Grifka, how you doing? I'll still sneak you in there. <laughs> it's, uh, it's nice to be here with the esteemed Logan. Absolutely, man. We got lots of stuff for him. And what we're going to do today, Logan's been writing a ton of crazy good articles on all lions over there at the Sports Illustrated website. So we're going to ask him to talk about a few of those today as we as we work through things. So um, we'll just not mess around. There's not still a ton of news and notes other than all the wrangling between the NFL and the NFLPA, but we're here to talk mostly football today. So Logan, question for you. Uh, this is something I thought you'd have your hands on. I kind of know it, but I thought you could maybe just give me the details. What are some of the changes uh, to the active roster and the practice squad? Like I know, didn't it go up to 55 and now the practice squad, I want to say is at 16. Do you have those uh, buttoned up? Cause I know there's been some changes. I don't have them all buttoned up right now at this time, just because I think there's so much changes that are happening, especially with COVID, you know, they're talking about expanding the practice squad even more. And I know there's a lot of craziness going on, but uh, yeah, I think some people have gotten a little confused calling it like a, a 55 man roster now, but that's really just with the practice squad. Uh, there's now teams have the ability uh, to promote, guys from their practice squad for two weeks out of the season and then relegate them back to the practice squad without subjecting them to the the waiver process that usually takes place in the NFL. So it's kind of like, you know, a, a farm league or something in baseball where you can call guys up and send them back down, but then they don't have to go through that waiver process. So it does create a little bit more flexibility for teams uh, with injuries. If they have a guy on their practice squad and say they're dealing with an injury bug just one week, but you know, the week after they should be fine, they can call up one of their guys in the practice squad for one week and send them back down. Or if they want to do two weeks, they can do that. But then if they call up these players from the practice squad a third time, then they're now, if you cut them again or release them back down to the practice squad, they do hit the waiver wire. So um, things are a little bit different, but not too much. And yeah, we'll see how many uh, practice squad spots that teams will actually get um, when it's all said and done with this pandemic going on. Right. Yep. I, I'm right there with you. I knew there was a couple of those where they can be exposed to waivers and then um, some of the different nuances, but I, 
I got to get my handle on that a little bit because they are definitely kind of changing up how the rosters will be this year. And, and we'll see if, if preseason and rosters and things change, you know, 2021 and beyond. So I also let you get away with the short sport we shall not speak of, which I normally would kill Grifka about. But you snuck <laughs> a baseball reference in. I'll let it slide. Grifka, what do you got for Logan? Yeah, Logan, it came down that uh, they're not going to have any preseason games. That's what the owners gave the NFLPA. Do you think that'll lead to more of a more physical training camp with maybe some of those back end of the guys looking to make more of a name for themselves without being able to get any game tape? Yeah, I think it's a good point because I, you know, so many times you have all these undrafted rookies or, you know, just free agents that have picked up that are kind of on the outside looking in and their time to shine is in the preseason game. It's, it's tough, especially with the rules that are in place with padded practices, you know, there's a limit on that in practice. Uh, you can't really hit all that much uh, relative to a normal football game in practice. So I could definitely see it where, yeah, the the guys that are on the roster bubble are definitely trying their hardest and to, to show up and get some practice film, I guess you can say, for the coaches to look at and make it really difficult to cut them. But I think this year it's going to – these players are in a really tough spot, the ones that are on the bottom of the roster to make this team, especially – just due to the fact that it's already been, there hasn't been a rookie mini camp or anything like that. Training camp, um, I think, is going to be different for a lot of those players fighting for roster spots. Um, like you said, it's it's probably going to be a little bit more physical, and I think they can be a little bit more physical because they're not necessarily practicing for a game or trying to rest for a preseason game either. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. If they're looking to get, even if the coaches were looking to get more physical, we've all been to the practices where your main stars, your superstars, they might be a little dinged up. They kind of do their side work, see them do a little jogging, some stretching on the sides before really getting in there. If the coaches want to have that back end, you know, maybe show up a little more, do a little more hitting, they might set those guys, you know, their main stars out. You know, your Kenny Galladay's, your Marvin Jones, you know, Stafford might not take as many stamps, even though quarterbacks, you know, don't get hit in practice. They might leave those guys out and let those younger guys trying to get on the squad, you know, put like you said do a little more practice film you know for the coaches yeah i think i think it would be interesting if they the coaches implement you know almost like a a preseason game scenario where they do it's just 11 on 11 and they let the guys get after a little bit more than maybe they would but um i don't know it's so tough to say i guess just on the the philosophies of each coach because i bet it'll be different uh in each place you go yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Matt Patricia handles it compared to somebody you hear about, like how Derek always compared Caldwell to was at the Detroit Lions Country Club, where they didn't seem to, I mean, not you know work, you know, not work as hard in practice. So it will be interesting how it is handled. For sure, the the, the players like to call that a players' coach, Griff. I call it weak sauce that we don't need in the NFL or with the Detroit Lions. We've had that for way too long. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if Patricia can crack that whip and do what he likes to do. Logan, I want to throw you a double dip here, and it's on my guy, Deon Dre Swift. Um, 
I, I want to go to one of your All Lions uh, articles. Again, everybody, we want you to go check that out. That's si.com slash NFL slash Lions. Check it out. I think you wrote this uh, a week or so ago, but I want to throw it at you. You wrote an article about Swift's NFL comparisons or who he might compare to. This was one I jumped right on on Twitter when I saw, and I gave you my thoughts because I had actually just put a tweet out, too, that I had watched three games. Griff could imagine that. I watched some tape on DeAndre Swift, three full games, all his cut-ups, and really uh, had a new look at this guy. But I um, want you to tell the people a little about that article, what you came up with. And then I also had a, a question that just coincides with it of, what is this guy's upside? What's his ultimate ceiling? Because I'm starting to think he's either going to be really special and maybe the best sense Barry or another Lions running back with all the talent in the world that doesn't maximize it here with the Lions for whatever reason. What do you think? Yeah, so the comparison article, it was just kind of interesting because I, I kind of – I was asked that question, you know, after they drafted him. I didn't really feel like I had a great answer for it. And I know there have been plenty of national, like, draft analysts who compared him to Dalvin Cook, compared him to uh, Christian McCaffrey even. Uh, another was, you know, to um, a few other players. And for me, I, I just saw a lot of Miles Sanders. And I know Miles Sanders is only going into his second year and you know he's still kind of unproven at the nfl level but i thought just uh their play style of the game miles sanders and swifts were very similar they're both good at catching the ball and sanders actually even had 50 catches last year and i do think that swift's going to be able to provide that for the lions as well you know there's no jd mckissick anymore and theoretic he's he's long gone but the lions have typically used a some type of receiving back and uh, Swift can definitely be that. And I thought Miles Sanders was that too. And then you look at kind of their athletic profiles, they're, you know, both like four, four, eight, four, four, nine type of guys, both around 211, 212 pounds. Uh, Swift is a little shorter than Miles Sanders, but uh, I just thought their skill sets were similar. I, I think the biggest thing to point out would probably be Miles Sanders does have some fumbling issues. Swift hasn't shown to have those and let's hope that they're not comparable in that way. But, you know, there's no such thing as a perfect comp and that's why it's always an interesting debate and kind of seeing what players can think. Cause I, I do think it's a little unfair sometimes to, for, especially like Swift, he was the one who actually compared himself to, to Christian McCaffrey. And anytime you compare to one of the best players in the league, you're kind of setting yourself up uh, for a letdown. And the fans are like, Oh, we just got the next Christian McCaffrey. But um, yeah, your second part of the question, uh, as far as his upside um, for me, I don't know if he's ever going to be a true work workhorse type of back. Uh, he kind of dealt with some, nagging injuries in college and he again he only had three games while at Georgia where he had over 20 carries so he's he's not the biggest guy but he has a compact frame you hope the injury bug stays away but um that that upside for me is really I think it's it's tough to say it just depends how he's deployed and if he gets enough of the share out of the backfield because I do think it's going to be a running back by committee say if carry on Johnson went down and um, it was just Swift's backfield alone and Bo Scarborough was maybe nicked up a little bit. I do think you'd see a lot more of Swift, but I think just at this point, you're going to see a lot with like the Patriots do with their running backs where it's just constant turnover. And, you know, it's a, a true running back by committee. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens there. I mean, I know I threw it out to you and, and this kind of came out of nowhere is that, uh, 
you know, when I watched him, he really reminded me of uh, Shady McCoy, like in his heyday with the Philly, with Philly, the way he, I mean, DeAndre Swift is so silky smooth. I mean, he's got shake and bake. The way he runs his routes are just really smooth as well, where he can, he can get up on a linebacker on a two-way go and do some things. And when he gets the ball, like, you know, if he gets a crease, he hits it with this acceleration like that I hadn't seen in a, in a while. So, um, Grifka, I want to throw this at you just for a second because I want your take now based on the one game you probably saw on a Saturday afternoon in the old Lazy Boy. And then I want you to go watch uh, the three-game cut-ups that I did, Grifka. I'll send them to you. And then I want your take on another show after you actually put your eyes on him for more than a couple plays because – I think this guy could be special. I really do. Okay. Well, you know me. I always like to bring up the old guys. Um, I'm not gonna, gonna, going to compare him to any former Lions because his <laughs> game really doesn't translate to anybody who used to play on this team. But um, I really kind of like him to like somebody like a Roger Craig from the old uh, 49ers. Um, I know Roger Craig was maybe a little bigger. I think they're roughly the same height, but I think Craig is maybe about maybe 10 pounds, maybe about 10 pounds a little heavier. But both could run the ball. I think Swift can run between the tackles and get to the outside plus catch the ball. I know uh, Craig ran, he ran a little more upright with a little more high knee, but I think their skill set is very similar. Um, Both could be productive, you know, running the ball, catching the ball. I don't know if Swift will be that thousand thousand guy, you know, like McCaffrey, like Roger Craig was, but I think they have very similar skill sets. Good stuff. Um, Grifka, let, let me go with another one here quickly. Logan, this is a, this is a good one for you right here before we take our commercial break here in a couple minutes. Uh, the new bulked up TJ Hawkinson. He's out there training with the, one of the best in the league, George Kittle. Does this get you hype or is this just off season hype? What do you think? So, I used to get a little pumped up about that kind of stuff, but then I've, I've seen so many examples of, you know, body transformations and yeah, it looks great, you know, when you're in a swimsuit, but then on the field, there's still concerns uh, with their play on the field. Uh, Not always, this doesn't always help just to be bigger, but for, for Hawkinson, I did, I was happy because I felt like, his blocking ability last year was not as advertised. I thought he was, you know, above average. He was a good blocker, but I just think he needed to get stronger. So I think that if he truly is, you know, bulked up a little bit more, there's because he didn't even, he necessarily didn't really seem like he was a big guy when he was on the field. I know his listed weight and he is a big guy, but it looked like he still has some room to fill out the frame. So that's, I did like that. Um, to see him working out and looking a little bit more felt than I think he's been in the past. But ultimately, I never look into it too much because it, it just comes down to what they can do on the field. And um, knowing that he's had an injury this offseason, an ankle injury that he's been dealing through, uh, that's going to be, you know, he's, hopefully he is in the weight room a lot. So I don't know. I, I never get too hyped up about it, but, you know, it's always funny when guys are posting videos because people do sometimes get way, you know, just, it just gets overblown. It's like all these guys are probably working out a lot. It would make sense, but I understand why, why fans are like, wow, he looks a lot bigger. And if he is great, let's just hope it translates to the field. 
Yeah. The best part of that video, though, was uh, when he ran the route. You know, everybody's worried about his ankle, and he ran this crazy route. It had about three, four different cuts coming across the grain with a lot of speed. That's the one I really like, not the not the curls in the driveway with the uh, with the dumbbells. But, yeah, we'll see what the kids got, man. It's got me excited. Uh, Griff could try to squeak another one in here, and then we'll take our break. Yeah, just uh, really quick, with the way the offseason's been, do you envision the rookie learning curve to be steeper? you know, more difficult for them to pick up the pro game or maybe not as bad as like some people are making it out to be. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely going to be a a bigger learning curve. Just, uh, you know, (laughs) the NFL, you see it so often where, especially with the lions where they kind of slow play the rookies where they, they have veterans start before them and they kind of let, let the younger guys um, take their time to develop and get used to things. And that really, that can't happen when there's no rookie training camp or mini camp um, like the OTAs and all that stuff. So I think they are going to be a little bit behind the eight ball. There's certain players that uh, I think like Jeff Okuda, just the way he prepares uh, and he's a student of the game. He was already in a system at Ohio state that, you know, he ran plenty of man man press as well. So I think he might not have as big of a learning curve, but um, maybe a guy like Julian Aquara or Jonah Jackson, those mid-round guys, I think they're going to have a little bit more uh, to to learn before, as the season progresses. So they might not see as much playing time, but I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I think it's probably a little bit different for each player. So just a quick follow. Do you think Okuda is going to be starting from day one? Yeah, uh, I think that's Bob Quinn's plan. And anytime you pick a player in the top three, I, you almost have to play him. <laughs> uh, and like I said, I, I think he's ready. I think, you know, you've, you've heard people talk about just his persistence to keep learning. And it's it's all football all the time. It's very difficult to get him to talk about anything else. And having that type of mindset and personality towards the game, I think he's going to be prepared and uh, at least mentally prepared and getting in the books and studying the playbook and listening to coaches and the zoom meetings and all that. So he, I think he will. I, Amani Aruara is nice as a player. I thought he was last year. He showed some signs. He still has a lot to develop. So I think coming right out, yeah, Okuda is a better player than Aruara. And I don't know who else would get the start on outside corner over uh, Jeff Okuda, maybe Daryl Roberts, but again, he, he's a journeyman. Uh, I think he's on the roster bubble, but he does have some veteran experience. But Akuda, that's one of the best things and the best attributes he had coming in to the NFL is that he was pretty much NFL ready or as much as a player can be right away. That's good to hear. I was kind of thinking the same thing. The guy loves football. He's going to pick it up, and the coaches are just going to throw him out there. No preseason games or whatever. It's, it's yours. Go take it. All right. Well, sounds good, fellas. Let's uh, let's go ahead and get our sponsors in here. Always fun having Logan on the show. We come back. We'll talk more about his articles and lots more Lions talk right after this. We'll be right back. Detroit Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. Thank you so much for listening to our sponsors. Uh, really good stuff off the top from Logan talking some, you know, DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson. Grifka got in some preseason questions talking about rookies. We, we got We got lots more Lions talk for you. Training camp is... 
next week. Hard to believe. Still lots of question marks, but we're going to talk football, as I said. So, Logan, I want to throw it to one of your articles that intrigued me. I can't say, unfortunately, buddy, that I've read all of these, but you are putting out some great stuff. So, one I think you did in the very recent future, it said three areas where the Lions um, can excel on offense. Now, I know everybody is expecting the Lions offense to to be rolling. You know, they were good last year until Stafford went down. Everybody expects them to be better this year. Um, I, I joked with Grifka, if you look at the Madden ratings, Madden thinks the Lions defense will be better than their offense. So that shows you what they know <laughs> across the board. But uh, tell us about these three areas where they're going to excel, and then we'll, we'll, we'll give you our thoughts on it. Yeah, so I kind of just looked – based it off at the 2019 season I think you know 2020 will be a little bit different but I think the deep passing obviously when when Matthew Stafford was playing he had the highest depth of target in the NFL and his average of 11.4 yards remained the highest average throughout the entire season and he also threw 20 or more yards downfield on just a little over 19% of his passes, which was also the highest. So I think that that deep passing element that you saw last year is still going to be there and you, that's going to be reliable and, you know, it's going to be an explosive offense. And we all know that, you know, the Lions offense, uh, you know, was really clicking with Stafford and Bevel and it was nice to see, but I think that deep passing is going to be, you know, what's the driver behind it. And then uh, secondly, kind of, coincides with the first one contested catches uh Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones it's no secret that you know when it comes to creating separation they might not be all that great but they definitely make up for it when um they have defenders draped all over them they can win with their hands and they have just this great body control that they know how to kind of box out these defenders and they catch the ball with their hands. They don't have to let it hit their chest like some some players do so I I just thought it was interesting that Galladay you know, last year you looked at it, um, him and Allen Robinson were the only guys uh, with over 25 contested catches in 2019. And even when, when Marvin Jones went down on injury, he was the third highest. So uh, I think that element isn't going to change. Fortunately for the Lions, you know, even as Marvin Jones ages a little bit, he's still, still, I'd say at the tail end of his prime, but um, when you have guys that can just come down with difficult catches, I don't think that trait necessarily ever leaves. So, um, and then I did, I think I hit on Quintez Cephas as well, who also, uh, when you look at the draft class last year, he had a contested catch rate of over 66%, which was one of the top in the t- entire draft class. So I thought that was interesting as well, because Cephas, again, might not be the greatest at creating separation, but even when he's covered, if you throw him the ball, he can come down with it. And then lastly was red zone. And this was a little bit more of a projection um, where the Lions ended up finishing 12th in terms of scoring touchdowns in the red zone. They had the 12th highest percentage, but that was with half the year without uh, Matthew Stafford. And then I think TJ Hawkinson, the bulked up TJ Hawkinson, I think he's going to be able to come down with a few more of those catches that we saw last year that uh, were really close to being touchdowns and then either a fall or a defender knocked it away. Hopefully just a little bit stronger, but um, anytime you have big targets down near the red zone and you have a strong arm quarterback that can fit the ball in the tight windows, I think you can be really special in the uh, red zone. And uh, it's just another element too 
is just the running. The, the Lions need to be able to just pound the ball into the end zone at times too. And I think Bo Scarborough really showed he could do that last year. And then you look at DeAndre Swift, although not the biggest guy, is if he's still a threat uh, to put you know the ball in the end zone, that's only going to help. So I, I just thought the Lions are going to be one of the better red zone teams as well. Yeah, the one of the main things I picked up on there, and I'll kick it to Grifka, is uh, I felt like last year was one of the first times they really threw the football down the field, you know, in a while, and used Matt Stafford's arm as well as he was he was more on the money than I've seen in the past. I know he's put up a couple years where he has had decent deep throwing stats, but. I guess my brain always goes to like that one important ball that he needs to complete to a wide open guy because the defender fell down and he misses it and he puts his hands on his helmet and, you know, oh, I should have had it type of thing. I felt like last year he really connected and those deep balls do make a big difference in how much juice your offense has because you can't just nickel and dime them all day. So I think all your other points were good and Lions have been pretty good in the red zone, but they got to keep that up. Sometimes that's hit or miss depending on the season. And, and like you said, I still holding that drop Grifka against TJ Hawkinson and in green Bay, uh, easy touchdown. You go back and watch it and he dropped it and we all know how that ended. So Grifka, what do you think about what Logan had to say about the offense and then hit him with a couple of your questions. And um, all great points. I like them, especially the one you mentioned, the, um, was it the 50, 50 ball? Because yep. like you said, they, the, the Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay, and like Derek said, he, they threw a lot more deep balls, but they still don't really have that Lions wide receiver that can really speed down the field and really stretch the defense. Um, I know, uh, I know one of Derek's guys. He, he likes to talk about talk to me about him, kind of throw him in my face because we talked about him. I, I, I think he runs great nine routes, and that's Metcalf out in Seattle. They don't have anybody like that. They don't have anybody, you know, that can like a Calvin Johnson, a Randy Moss that can just. Okay, just run as fast as you can down the field and have Stafford throw it to you. I think a lot of times when they're open like that, it was Bevel was putting good plays together to get the guys open downfield like that. Because there were some times where it seems like a guy was just standing in the middle of nowhere, you know, and nobody was around him. So I think if they continue to do that along with the 50 50 ball for the wide receivers, this could be probably one of the most potent wide receiving cores in the whole National Football League. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, Marvin Hall even too, uh, you know, he had one of the highest yards per catch uh, in the entire NFL last year. He was averaging almost like 40 yards a catch, just something ridiculous like that. And, you know, who, he could be on the roster bubble, but considering he is just a little bit of a one-trick pony, but he really played well in his limited opportunities. And uh, I also liked how Bevel too, you, there was some trick plays last year that all resulted in big gains. You look at the flea flicker in green Bay. Um, I think it was against the giants, kind of that reverse uh, backward pass to Matthew Stafford, who got Kenny Galladay deep for a touchdown there. Um, and then, you know, there's just a lot more creativity uh, that I really liked out of Bevel that we'd never really seen out of Jim Bob Cooter, unless it was the final week of the season against Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, they seem to bring out that trick play like that, you know, because you know, I know Derek's called for it before. It's like, gosh, doing it in a game where they could really use it and really need it. And yeah. then they seem to run those real special ones. It's just like, gosh, you, if you would have done that in week seven, <laughs> something like that. Okay. Um, let me... Uh, Next question for you. Uh, just want to go back to Hawkinson. You know, I know Derek's a big fan of him. I think he will take a step forward this year. Now, do you think the Lions, for him to be effective, because everybody wants to kind of compare him to Gronk, 
you know, that's what they were kind of hoping. Do you think they need to, you know, get just like one really established wide receiver, maybe re-sign Kenny Galladay and put Hawkinson as like their true number two, as opposed to like another number one, you know, another wide receiver, a kind of established one on the outside, you know, where Hawkinson may be your third, fourth option where they really want to use him as a Gronk because it seemed like Gronk was either number one or two on a lot of pass plays in New England. Was that something maybe the Lions have to do on offense for Hawkinson to kind of be what everybody's hoping him to be? Yeah, I, I really think we when you look at all the best tight ends in the game and all the stats they put up and everyone just wants to compare stats, uh, the reason they have so many stats because they're they are targeted a lot. And I know it goes hand in hand with, you know, how good they are, if they can get open and if you can actually game plan around a tight end. And I if, if you obviously the Lions took TJ Hawkinson with the eighth overall pick, and I think that's what they envisioned him as being able to do, uh, is have a game plan revolve that evolves around Hawkinson. So it's um, I think that's a good point to bring up. I don't know if Hawkinson's numbers will ever be truly great if he is the third or fourth wheel in the offense, because at this point, you, know, you have Marvin Jones, you have Kenny Galladay, you even have Danny Amendola, who takes a lot of slot snaps and Hawkinson himself even lined up quite a bit in this in the slot and a lot of the great tight ends do line up a lot in the slot and it's kind of like that big slot guy that is a mismatch if they have a linebacker or even a safety on them so it is if if the Lions were to part ways or just to let Marvin Jones walk after the season I think that would be them showing faith in Hawkinson that he's going to be you know basically a pseudo receiver that he's going to be the guy that they you know target a lot more so it is it's it's tough to I think I don't even know if I want to bring Ebron up, but I will. But I think that was a big thing with Ebron too, is that the reason you saw um, just middling production out of him is because he was the fourth option in the offense and typically was the fourth player in terms of target. And I know maybe if he caught the ball a little bit more and didn't have so many drops, Stafford would have trusted him. But then you see him go into Indianapolis his first year there and he's one of the main targets and he's a pro bowler. So it is, there's, there's a lot of situations with tight ends where um, it's just, it all comes about the opportunity. They have to have the opportunity to, to put up the big stats. And if you're spreading all the ball all around uh, tight ends, probably not going to be putting up huge numbers. Yeah. It's it, teams always want like so much talent, you know, maybe like the Cleveland Browns last year, they seemed like they had all these superstar names at all these offense positions. And it's just, I'm just always like, there's only one ball, you know, when, your, you know, your Landry's, your Odell Beckham's, they really want the ball. The running backs, they want to get their yards so they can get paid. So I'm with you there. I think that's what the Lions may have to do if they really want to envision Hawkinson to be that Gronkowski, the Rod Gronkowski type tight end that everybody's hoping him to be. Yep, I agree. All right, Grifka, I said you got a couple questions, but I, I'm removing that privilege after that last bit you did because – you, you you know you hate TJ Hawkinson first and foremost. You, you you're saying that he's going to be better. We know that's your that's your on the fence play where you rag on the guy forever, and now you say he's going to be better, but you don't really define what that is. So you're you're covered both way. If he's incredible, you're right. If he sucks, you'll remind us why you hated it. Nobody <laughs> nobody's comparing him to Gronk except you, Grifka. Like nobody said he's 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 
I mean, Poor man's Kronsky, he has a different, he has a different skill set. Um, but anyway, so I'm jumping in here. I can't give you the floor for second question based on that. Uh, all those gimmicks you just pulled there with our guard, Logan. So Logan, here's one for you. This is, this is probably the most important question involving the Detroit lions as we head into 2020. So you wrote an article called Jamie Collins is a top 10 linebacker by ESPN. There was another article that came out, I can't remember where it was, that said he was actually the number two rated linebacker in all of football. I I want to know what you got out of the article you wrote. I'm sure you saw this other article. And to me, I mean, Jamie Collins to me is the most important player other than Matt Stafford on the Detroit Lions in, in some ways. I, I don't know what I'm going to get from him. I think he's either going to be incredible or a big disappointment. I think that he's super versatile. Even his coverage grades always surprise me when I see them for how big he is and for some of the bad years he's had in the NFL. But the the guy has crazy coverage grades and the Lions couldn't cover. Well, what 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 couldn't they cover, Grifka, the last couple of years? Uh, the tight end running backs out of the backfield. No, that's when you're supposed to say they couldn't cover a coffee table because they oh. couldn't. They couldn't cover <laughs> anything. So talk to me about Jamie Collins, what you learned, and why this guy will probably either be a player that makes the Detroit Lions defense or could even break their defense. Yeah, so I think Jamie Collins, I, if you look at all the acquisitions that the Lions made this year, I think he is going to be the biggest upgrade because – who knows what spot he's going to play in right now because he is one of those versatile types you know the typical New England linebacker who can play on the ball on the edge and off the ball but he does just about everything well and he's so athletic he's so big Um, it is a little bit surprising with just his coverage grades that he typically gets from pro football focus and just you look at his passer rating against he was one of the best there Um, to me I just took out of it that when the Lions released Devon Kennard, I think a lot of people just were like, oh, Jamie Collins is going to be his replacement. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think you're going to see, um, you know, Christian Jones and Jelani Tavai even line up on the edge a little bit more. Julian Aquara, obviously, on passing downs, I think, will get his chance. But Collins, he's just one of those players that the Lions – wanted their linebackers to be last year and none of them are nearly as good as Jamie Collins. And it was kind of interesting. So, you know, the ESPN piece that ranks the top 10 linebackers in the NFL, it's not just one person ranking them. They, they actually ask 50 NFL executives or coaches or coordinators and, or, or players. And they kind of compile the list of who those 50 um, personnel NFL execs think are the top 10 linebackers. And Jamie Collins was on the list and you had mentioned it where even one uh, NFL coordinator said that he thought Jamie Collins was the second best linebacker in the league because he can truly do it all, no matter where he lines up. If he needs to rush the passer, he can do that, but he can also drop back and cover guys and he can cover some of the best athletes out there because he is, he he's commensurate in that, in that regard where he can, uh, you know, just keep up with these guys. So I think if Jamie Collins is as advertised, I think this creates just, the Lions defense can get so much better so quickly just because they now have a cover linebacker. They now have a guy that they can deploy all over the formation and no matter where he lines up, it's not going to be a weakness. You saw that last year with Christian Jones where they played him a lot on the edge. They played him off ball. They played him in coverage and he didn't do anything. Christian Jones is one of the worst pass rushing productivity grades out of 
the entire league. So you're not getting anything when he lines up and he rushes the quarterback. And then in coverage, he's a huge liability as well. And so if you add Jamie Collins, who can rush the quarterback when he's asked to do that and cover, I just think that's going to be a huge advantage for the Lions defense this year. And I, I really hope it pans out. And you have to imagine that Patricia is going to know how to use him best, having coached him in the past. Good stuff there. Grifka, I'm going to give you one more chance. If you think you got a question that rivals that question, uh, you can go ahead. If not, we'll go ahead and get Logan out of here. So you think you got something in your back pocket, or would you rather say, uh, nope? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm not quite for sure if I have a question as good as that one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that was um, – Good stuff. I, I like your, your take on Collins. I think he fits the scheme really well. And like you said, Patricia, knowing how to use him, he, he could be one of those top 10 linebackers simply because he fits the scheme, what, what they're looking what they're looking to use him for. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't have a uh, question that rivals that one, Derek. That was a great question. He, he better be. He's getting like 10 plus million bucks. We better uh, make some plays out there on the football field and be motivated. Well, you look at and I know the contracts was another situation too, where he is making ten dollars, ten million dollars a year, and he is up there in age. But you know, even at ten million dollars a year for off-ball linebackers, he's still like the fifteenth or, you know, right around that area, the fifteenth highest-paid linebacker if you average out um, the yearly average salary. So I don't think that's necessarily horrible. And if if he is the fifteenth highest-paid, he's a top-ten linebacker. You'd have to say that value is pretty good, and you just hope that he can keep his play up though. For the whole length of the contract because he will be 33 years old at the end of it right yeah i don't mean you broke down the numbers it's not straight up 10 but what i'm saying is you know if the lions don't give him 10 does he get 10 from anybody else does he fit anywhere else like he does maybe here or new england does he does he come in here motivated to make plays or does he come here with a cleveland attitude of oh this is detroit and i can just collect my paycheck like I just need him to be a ball player. You know, I'm not too worried about the dollars and cents. If he's out there covering, making tackles, getting after the quarterback a little bit, I'm just a little concerned that you're not getting three years and that type of full amount of money on the table, I don't think, from other teams. And that's a little concerning, I think, at times. But like I say, that's why he's my wild card of the whole team almost is because he's either going to be that huge upgrade that you talked about or a huge disappointment. And because I haven't heard anything about, you know, workouts and there haven't been any of that. I really, he's still just a, he's that wild card in the deck for me that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. And I hope it's an ace for sure. So Grifka said he's got nothing else. I've got tons more, but I also um, know we got to get you out of here. So I wanted to say everybody again, um, I know I plugged it a couple times, but Sports Illustrated, all Lions, uh, putting out great content by all the people over there, especially Logan. Um, you know Logan's on Twitter with 20,000 plus followers, tweeting out good stats, article links, all types of things. Uh, any new stuff, Logan, where people can either find you or they can interact with you or just the the same, the main areas where you're putting out great stuff all the time? Yeah, and nothing, nothing too much has changed. Uh, Twitter, like I have always said, that's if you want to talk to me there, that, that's where I try to – uh, engage the most, but I do have a Facebook page and an Instagram as well. Um, and usually, you know, any stats or data that I find, I try to post it everywhere. So if you don't have one social platform, you can find me on another one. And, uh, yeah, at L Lamarandier on Twitter, um, Logan Lamarandier on Facebook. I, I have a page there and then the same, same name on Instagram. So, uh, usually if you just type in Logan and then L A M, it'll, it'll start to populate and, uh, you don't have to spell my whole last name. 
Perfect, man. Well, like I say, I really appreciate uh, you coming on. Uh, the hope is that, uh, you know, here on the on the Kool-Aid cast, I know you do a lot of other radio spots and are on other podcasts, but we're hoping uh, about once a month or so we can get you on, especially now that football's back. I know me and you had done the Believe in Lions show and uh, got on once a month or so, and that was really fun. And we had no football to talk about. So next week, the Lions will be at camp. They'll be getting tested. They'll be doing some conditioning. And then eventually they'll get out on the football field and uh, we'll be here to talk all about it. So, Logan, thanks again, man. Really appreciate you. As always, it's a good time. I appreciate you guys having me. And, yep, look forward to talking soon. Sounds good. Everybody, drink that Detroit Kool-Aid. Football is almost here. Be positive. Don't think about the negative. Hopefully we will have a full season. And look out for our Lions to uh, come out of nowhere and surprise some people. It should be a good one. Can't wait for it. Drink it in. Take care. We'll be back on Friday talking all things Lions right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Take care, everybody. We're out. Drink it in, man. Deep left side carry on. Picks up a block. At the five. At the two. At the one to the end zone. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Drink it in, man. Get up, Stafford throws. It is end zone. Caught! Oh, baby, what a catch! Kenny Galladay, you're a freak! What a catch! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Stafford!